Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and this is a ministry of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church from right here in Danville, Kentucky. We do appreciate you tuning into the program today. This week, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 5. You can be turning in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 5. I want you to look in the Word of God with me today. We're going to look at uh, several scriptures. And as always, we invite you to open your Bible and follow along. I am interested in what this book says, not what religion says the book says. And our motto on this program was a motto I picked up from an old preacher, a wise man that preached and taught this book faithfully for many years. What we're interested in today is not what the Bible means, but what does the Bible say? We're interested in what the Word of God actually says and not merely what it's presumed to teach. You need to understand something this morning. Uh, One of the great ways for people, modern man, educated man, to reject the contents of this old book is to say, well, that's just your interpretation. You know, there's a lot of interpretations out there and they don't all agree. So since there's lots of interpretations, I'm just going to ignore it all. No, see, that's a cop-out. That's an excuse to reject the Word of God. Can I tell you that the devil... The devil quoted this book to Jesus Christ. Why are you shocked when false teachers and false ministers quote the Bible to back up some false view? You see, the only way you're going to actually know what the Bible says is if you actually come to the Bible humbly and read it. And even then, if you're unsaved, you're not going to come out with the right understanding because the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Do you ever find yourself rolling your eyes as I preach and teach this book on this program and thinking in your mind, what a bunch of foolishness? Well, if you do, I already knew you were thinking that, and I can tell you what your problem is. You're unsaved. Unsaved people don't appreciate what the Bible has to say, and they certainly don't appreciate another man standing up and preaching or teaching it with any sort of authority as though it was some kind of a final say, and it certainly is because it's the words of God. Listen, that Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. The first thing you'll have to do is get born again. You'll have to get saved. You'll have to pass from death to life, as the Bible words it, in order to have an understanding of this Bible. The Spirit of God has got to live in your heart in order for you to understand what this book says. Because the book was written by the Spirit of God. You know what's funny is people will say things against the Bible and trying to discount it or trying to ignore it or reject it. They'll say, well, that Bible was written by men. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you really thought about what you just said? Every book that you've ever picked up was written by man. Why, down here at Center College, the textbooks that they use will be replaced with new textbooks written by men in a couple of years. And after those textbooks run their course... They'll pick up more and put in, in, into play more new textbooks. Every textbook you've ever read in any institution of higher learning was written by men. You see, the difference with this book is this book was written, yeah, the instrumentation was man. The Bible says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But listen, it's the words of God that were penned through the instrument of men. And the reason the world despises this book and the, the masses of unsaved humanity ignore, reject, or mock this book is not because it's unscientific. The Bible is the most scientific book in the world. 
It's not because it's not historically accurate. Archaeological digs constantly prove that the history written in the Bible was 100% accurate. No, it's none of those reasons. It's because, are you listening? The reason men cannot stand the Word of God is because it tells the truth about man. Did you get that? It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't flatter man. It rebukes man, and it tells all the truth about him. This book says that man's not the measure of all things, but man is a complete failure without God, and that man is a fallen and a cursed creature. And a, a man who never is reconciled back to his creator will die in his sins. I don't care how popular he was, how smart he was, what accolades he was given on the earth, how many Nobel Peace Prizes he won, or how many uh, universities and de- uh, that he went to and how many degrees he has behind his name. Man without God is doomed to destruction. And if you die without coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will die Uh, apart from God, and you will die in your sins, and your soul will lift its eyes in a place called hell where they weep and wail and gnash their teeth. Now, that's what the Bible says, and that's why man can't stand it, because it tells all the truth about man and how sinful we are and how that we need our Creator to intervene in our life and save us from the wrath to come. That's called instruction. That's called truth. That's called light. The Scripture says of itself, the entrance of thy words giveth light. And you know what Jesus Christ said would be man's response to light? He said in John 3.19 these words. Jesus Christ spoke and he says, This is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Truth of the matter is, you love your sin. And that's why you hate the Bible. Because it points, it gives light on your sinfulness. And it calls upon men and commands men everywhere to repent. You'll find that in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31. And this week, we're going to delve into one of those unsavory topics in the Bible, one of those politically incorrect topics, and it's going to be on the topic of hell. I want you to look with me, if you've got your Bible open, in Isaiah chapter 5. Begin reading with me in verse 11. Let's take the Word of God and expound it a little while this morning that you might get some instruction and get some help. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11, the Word of God says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial, the tabret and pipe and wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth, rejoiceth excuse me, shall descend into it. So the Bible tells us plainly about a place called hell here in Isaiah chapter 5. And hell is a reality. I hate to be the one to remind you, but if I'm going to be faithful to God in my calling to preach this book without apology, I have to give you the whole counsel of God. And quite often uh, men try to air condition hell or ignore it or retranslate it out of the Bible and talk about words like Sheol and Gehenna and and Hades and all these other uh, side issues that really just take, try to take, they're trying to take the sting out of what the Word of God says. But in this old King James Bible, there's a place 
in the heart of the earth that men descend into, and it's called hell. The body is laid to rest. The body is put in the ground when people die, but the soul continues to live on in one of two places. Jesus Christ said these words over in Mark chapter 8. He says, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So what's the big deal if you climb the ecclesiastical ladder? What's the big deal if you are known world around as being a great inventor or a great musician or singer or the top of your class or because you have great accolades and trophies and awards? What is all of that to come to the end of your life and die having conquered the world and yet die unprepared to meet God and lose your own soul in a place called hell? The Bible still says that you're not to fear the man that can kill the body but rather you're to fear him that can kill both body and soul in hell. The Bible speaks of death and hell being cast into the lake of fire at the last day judgment. And Jesus Christ spoke of this awful place with a child sitting on his lap. He said, there is a place where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. We read in Luke 16 of a rich man who died in his sins unrepentant. And the Bible says he died and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And here in Isaiah 5, we learn another excruciating and sobering fact about a place called hell. It's enlarging itself. That means it's getting bigger every day to make more room for the souls that descend into it. Therefore, Isaiah five fourteen. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Satan and the unclean spirits of that damnable region are always in a building project. They're always adding on and knocking out the back wall in this place called hell. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you going there when you die? Is that where you're going? If you've never been born again, I can answer in the affirmative. You say, well, that's just your interpretation. We're not interpreting anything this morning. You know, that's a great way for men to skip over the truth of the Bible. I've heard that excuse used on many occasions. Well, preacher, that's just your interpretation. We don't have to interpret a lot of the Bible. A lot of the Bible just states what it states. It says, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The Bible's plain. You either know Jesus Christ as your Savior or you do not. I didn't say that you had to know that you just knew about him. Many people know about Jesus. My question is, have you ever applied him personally to your own heart? Have you ever received him as your own Lord and Savior? Have you ever passed from death to life? Or does the thought of dying and facing God still put a chill down your spine and trouble your heart? Do you still get bothered about that? Do the thoughts of your own funeral trouble you? Listen, if you're unsaved, it should. Because if you die dead in trespasses and sins, you'll hear God say to you, depart from me, you curse it, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Did you catch that right there? Hell was not prepared originally for mankind. Originally, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what the book says. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of God for you, that all men might be saved and that all might come to repentance. But all listen to the words of Jesus Christ. He said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There's no middle ground. There's no gray areas here. There's nothing about private interpretation. You're either on your way to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ and your reception of him as your Savior, or you are on your way to hell 
And Jesus Christ said, Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, many, many there be which go in thereat. Are you heading toward destruction, sir, ma'am? Man, woman, boy, or girl, listen to this preacher this morning. It's no accident that you happen to be listening to this program today. God is going to throw you the lifeline one more time. And what I'd like to look at in today's program is I want to answer the question, well, why is hell enlarging itself? That's what the Bible says. We've just read it. Hell hath enlarged herself. Well, why does it continue to enlarge itself? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. Turn in your book, in the book, to Proverbs chapter 23. I want to point out, first of all, in today's program, that hell is enlarging itself, number one, because of foolish parenting. You say, what are you talking about? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, the scripture says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. You see why the Bible is such a politically incorrect book? We have created this sterilized, neutered society that truth has been sacrificed on the altar of what's convenient, comfortable, and uh, okay with the unsaved masses. This is not good. Because when I come to truths like this, some of you just turn, probably just turned the radio off. Some of you cringed just to hear me read that verse. So I'm going to read it again. Because Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I am reading from the word of God. And it says, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, watch it, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Did you get that? If a parent fails to properly train, rebuke, and, and reprove their child through discipline, through restraint, through instruction, and through whipping them, beating them with the rod is what the Bible here says. Listen, if you fail to do that, you are preparing your child for a place called hell. You say, now, wait a minute. I don't understand this. Well, just stay with me for a couple of minutes. And let's see if we can make some sense of this. The, what's it say? It says, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, let's think for a minute with our minds this morning rather than our emotions. You see, the reason people stumble and struggle with these type subjects is because you think that you know more than God knows. You think Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil and Dr. Spock are smart people. No, they're just the blind leading the blind. The scripture says that if you love your child, you will chasten your child. And there was a time in this country, not that many years ago, where this was well understood. But brethren, my generation and down uh, know nothing about this. In fact, my generation and down have no clue of how to train children. They think that the way you train children is get them out of your hair as often as possible. Be sure and send them to daycare. Be sure and uh, send them over to the neighbor's kid. Get them a tablet and a lot of videos so we can keep them occupied. Do you know why my generation parents that way? Because it's easy to do that. And it's also based in selfishness. Selfish people are going to have trouble spending the proper time training up their children. And brothers, brothers and sisters, people listening to me today, listen, if God has blessed your family with children, and by the way, children are a reward and a blessing, not a burden. Did you get that? If you've been blessed with a child or two or three or four, God has been good to you and you now have a responsibility to train up 
a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. You have to, just like you tend to a garden, you have to tend to child training. Listen, when you tend a garden, you put certain things in, and you work to keep certain things out. And that's the way it is, being a mama and a daddy. You've got to put things into your children. You've got to give them attention. You've got to, you've got to minister to their needs. You've got to spend time with them. You have to help them. You have to restrain them because you know why? That Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod and reproof shall drive it far from him. I'm going to tell you the greatest mistake that was ever made that is helping to populate hell and enlarge hell is to teach parents that it's wrong to ever spank your child. Now listen, do you believe the psychiatrist of the day, many of them who've never had a wife and a family, Will you believe them over what God says? Huh? That's a good question, don't you think? Now, what do you believe? Now, notice the scripture, what it says. It says, if thou beatest him with the rod. Now, notice it didn't say if thou beatest him with the hanger. It didn't say if thou beatest him with the ball bat. It didn't say if thou beatest him with your fist doubled up. It didn't say if you smacked him across the face. That's not what it said. No, God says if thou beatest him with the rod. You know what the... Uh, the backside, those two cushion pads in the backside of your child was for, it was for spankings to help instruct them according to the Word of God. Now, I know that's not popular, but it's still in the Bible, and God still expects you to do it. Have you ever been down to Walmart lately to see how those kids act? I was sitting in a waiting room not too long ago, and I saw a mother and a dad come in, and they had a little two-year-old who was an absolute terror to everybody in that waiting room. And I already know all I need. And it's not the kid's fault. Foolishness is in his heart. He's a fallen son of Adam. He can't help how he is naturally. The fault lies in those two people that had that baby. They don't know how to train children and they're not willing to learn because it's too much like work. You say, what were they doing? Well, both the mom and the dad were on their cell phone uh, playing games and looking at pictures and checking Facebook and all that stuff while their kid went around terrorizing, spilling his sippy cup and uh, terrorizing the people in the waiting room. And I just sat and watched. And when that daddy would finally see that I have to do something, he'd get up and say, son, get over here, get over here, get over here. That kid didn't listen to him a bit. And I wanted to say, man, that kid knows your line and so do we. Everybody in this, uh, this waiting room knows your line. You ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to count to three. You know what? When kids hear that, they'll turn around and say, amen, I'll count with you. And when the dad would go over and put his hands on that boy to bring him back over, the kid would just uh, would do the uh, knee buckle underneath him and fall to the ground screaming, Mommy, Mommy. It was I mean, you couldn't read. You couldn't re relax because this kid was just loud and obnoxious. And the sad part is, is that is a picture of American parenting. That is a product of society right there. Amen. There's an old poem that goes this way. It says, Junior kicked the meter man. Junior bit the cook. Junior is antisocial now, according to the book. Junior smashed the clock and lamp. Junior hacked the tree. Destructive trends are treated in chapters 2 and 3. Junior threw his milk at mom. Junior screamed for more. Notes of self-assertiveness are found in chapter 4. Junior threw his shoes and socks right out in the rain. The book says this is normal. Just disregard the stain. Junior got in Grandpa's room and he broke his fishing line. This is to get attention, according to page 89. But Grandpa grabbed his belt and jerked Junior across his knee because Grandpa hasn't read a book since 1943. 
Amen and amen. There's a lot more truth in that poem than on most talk shows today. Now you say, preacher, you still haven't shown us how this leads to people going to hell. Well, it's real simple. When you allow your child to run the show at home, when you allow your child to get away with misbehavior, when there are no consequences, you do a great inservice to that child. You know why? Because he learns that he doesn't have any authority. He thinks in his mind that there's no consequences to rebelling against the authority, the God-ordained authority in his life. And I'm going to tell you parents something. You are the God-ordained authority in your child's life. So you teach the child by default, by not dealing with their misbehavior and their foolishness, by not giving them consequences, you show them that authority does not have to be honored and can be rebelled against. You also show them that justice will not be served in most cases. And most parents, like those parents in that waiting room that day, threatened all morning. They threatened to take away toys. They threatened to count to 10. I don't know what the, the when, when they counted to 10, did a great job counting. I still don't know what the point in all of that is. They threatened time out. But that child knew that there would be no consequences of any lasting result. So justice was never performed. And listen to me, here's the key. Here's the crucial part of understanding this verse in Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. That child learned that that the authorities who threatened them would never, nine times out of ten, follow through on any sort of consequence or punishment. So, when that child grows older and some preacher gets up and says, if you don't repent of your sins and come to Calvary and trust the Savior as your, as your own, then you're going to die and go to hell. They're going to say, no. No, mom and dad told me many things. Many times they threatened me, but they never did anything. So this feeling I have in my heart, which is the Spirit of God, of course, dealing with them in conviction, this just must be, no, this isn't true. I'm not, I might not be right with God. I might not get saved, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to end up in hell. Do you see how you help propel your child toward that place called hell when you do not train them, restrain them, and train them with the rod, which is whipping or spanking, however you want to call it? I don't care what the world says. I told you, I've told the church many times, if I keep preaching what this book says, I fully expect there's two places I'm going to end up, either in jail or in the Smithsonian. Amen. Because you know something, I realize this is very unsavory, uh, very politically incorrect, but brethren, listen to me, it's the truth. Do you look at your children and want to see them escape a place called hell? Well, then start parenting like you believe the Bible. Start uh, reproving them and setting some boundaries for them. Start uh, punishing them when they do wrong. You say, how do I punish them? Well, according to the Bible, it says you're not to withhold correction from your child. It says, if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. That Bible says you're to chasten them often and spare not for their crying. They're not going to die. That backside was cushioned purposely for that. And you don't have to do it when you fly off the handle. I don't have time to teach child training this morning. But listen, you need to chasten that child patiently and calmly and explain to them what they did wrong. Don't just uh, spank them because you're irritated and dis, uh, you know, disadvantaged at the moment. Sit down and explain to them what you're doing. And then when you're done, hug them up close to you and talk with them about it. And you say, oh, it doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah? I remember one time sitting down talking to a man who was in prison, a young man. And I was talking to him. He was in a county jail, county lockup somewhere. And we were talking through the glass. And he made this comment. He said, I know my parents. He goes, nobody's ever loved me. And he goes, so who cares? And I said, what do you mean? I said, didn't your parents love you? 
He said, no, I know my parents never loved me. I said, how do you know that? He said, they never, they never gave me rules to follow. There were no boundaries. He goes, they never questioned where I went. They never questioned who I was with. They never cared how late I stayed out. They didn't care about me. Because if they did, they would have set some rules. Parents, did you hear that? Your child will grow up and know that you didn't care about them, that you were more concerned about your own enjoyment in life and your own selfish, selfishness than you were training your children. And I'm going to tell you something. If you withhold proper training from a child, you will help to enlarge a place called hell. Isaiah 5.14 says, Hell hath enlarged herself. And the first reason hell is getting larger is because of foolish parenting. Are you one of those moms or dads who just has empty threats? Listen, don't tell your child that I'm going to tell you one more time because you'll say that six or seven times and you know what you're teaching them? You're teaching them that your word means nothing. And later on when they hear somebody get up and preach with authority or they hear the word of God expounded, they're going to say, well, my parents never meant what they said, so I'll bet God doesn't mean what he says. Oh, listen. Don't disadvantage your child. Give them every opportunity to find Jesus Christ in their life. And the way to do that is to love them. And if you love them, you will restrain them, you will reprove them, and you will not spare the rod on your child. Now, that's Bible truth. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, the Scripture says, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Because one day, if he knows his parents meant business and he remembers the painful consequences of disobedience in the home, one day he'll be sitting somewhere in a church service or some faithful Christian will minister to him and give him the gospel and the Holy Spirit will speak to his heart and say, if you don't get born again, you're going to that awful place called hell and you're going to be separated from your Creator for all of eternity. You're going to be tormented in the flame. You're going to be weep and wail and gnash your teeth. And you've earned a place there because you've broken God's law. You've broken the law that says thou shall not steal. You've broken thou shall not commit adultery. You've blasphemed the name of God. You've deceived your neighbor. You've lied. You've missed opportunities to do right. Listen, the Spirit of God will show your child their sinfulness and the awful consequences that wait them at the end of a Christ-rejecting life. But if you've been faithful to train them and to discipline them and chasten them properly then when the Spirit of God deals with them, they have a much, you have a much better chance of seeing your child respond favorably to the gospel in repentance and faith. You know what? There was an old pre uh, preacher told a story one time that back in the early 1900s, we had a president in these United States of America that was a voracious Bible reader. And a man asked him one time, he said, Mr. President, what's the Bible say about hell? And that wise president looked at him and said, it says you don't have to go there. The scripture still says that God gets no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And the Bible says that hell was not prepared for you and me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But justice requires that you go there if you don't get cleansed from your sins. If you're not cleansed from your filthiness, you cannot go to where God is at. And that's the wonderful truth of the gospel that says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For Christ hath also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God.
The Lord is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want you to go to hell, friend. No, He wants to cleanse you and save you from the wrath to come. But if you continue on in your proud ways, rejecting and ignoring the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, you will make it to that place called hell with flying colors, and you will be a fulfillment of Isaiah 5.14 that says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Are you going there, sir, ma'am, man, woman, boy, or girl? Are you going to hell? You don't have to. Turn to God today and humbly come to Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. That Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Until next week, may God help you to understand what was expounded today. If you're unsaved, trust Jesus Christ. May God help you to do just that. Until next week, may the Lord bless you.